Hey, Bill O'Reilly. Welcome to the No Spin News. Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. Stand up for your country. Lead story again today is President Biden. Now, I was on the Hannity radio program today, and we have it posted on BillOReilly.com should you want to listen. And I explained to Sean how I am covering um, President Biden. And I'm not doing it in any kind of ideological way because I don't think that serves you, my audience. I'm doing it in a fact-based, stair-step way. And uh, I am concerned. I am concerned about Mr. Biden. Um, I'm concerned about him personally, and I'm concerned about him being in charge of this country. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with policies, all right? It has to do with him. So that's the lead story tonight. So it's been 50 days since Joe Biden has assumed office, 50 days. And in that time, he has not talked to the press. He has not taken any questions. Um, He simply hasn't done anything other than sign stuff that's been placed in front of him. Now, actually, CNN did this analysis. It's pretty startling because CNN is in business to protect Joe Biden, as is NBC News. They're the two media organizations that want to protect him on television are CNN and NBC News. And the two media organizations in print are the Washington Post and the New York Times. They're all invested in protecting Joe Biden because they were so anti-Trump and so pro-Biden to get him elected. Now, CNN says that in 100 years, all the presidents in 100 years had a press conference within 33 days of assuming office. All of them, not Biden. So the logical question would be, why not? It's not that you're too busy, you're not doing anything. As we reported yesterday on his schedule for Tuesday was one thing, to visit a hardware store in Washington, D.C. to talk about how COVID affected the store. He was two hours late for that meeting. That's it. Today, Wednesday, he's got one thing on his calendar again, an afternoon meeting with the CEOs of Merck and Johnson & Johnson to talk about the COVID vaccine. That's it. Nothing else. Now, he has his usual briefings where guys and gals come into the Oval Office and say, Mr. President, here's what we know. Here's what happened overnight. All he has to do is sit there in a chair, maybe takes notes, maybe doesn't, sips on a little beverage. That's it. So it's not like President Biden is busy. He's not. He's not busy. He's not doing anything. Okay, so why can't he have the calls with the press? Why can't he invite a couple of people in, like me? (laughs) Yeah. And and we have a little chat about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and how uh, he's seeing the country these days. Well, he can't do that. Can't do it. Because his staff has no confidence that he could answer any questions. That's exactly what's happening. Is his staff upset by this? No. Why would they be? They're running the country, not him. Now, we've gone through Susan Rice, Barack and Michelle Obama. We've gone through all that. Okay, so you should be up to speed on that. Now, Thursday night, uh, Joe Biden's going to give a speech, about 15 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, One year anniversary uh, of the COVID shutdown. He's going to say Americans are the greatest people. Uh, uh, We've turned a corner thanks to my administration. We did that, 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 boom, boom. I don't know if he's going to give the Trump administration credit for the vaccine or not. 
doesn't really matter. He may just take, deflect criticism from that, but he's going to read the prompter. He's going to read it. It's going to be big, big words. He's going to speak fairly slowly, and he's not going to take any questions, and that's what he's going to do tomorrow night. Now, I'll watch it so you don't have to. I'll tweet during the speech. That's Thursday night. Now, the big thing that Joe Biden should be explaining to the country is what the deuce is happening on the border. Do you realize there are now 11,300 foreign national minors, children, in the custody of the U.S. government? 11,300? I mean, that's just stunning. Stunning. So these kids are here because the cartels in Mexico are smuggling them in with the arrangement the children will be able to bring their fathers and mothers and grandmothers and grandfathers and brothers and sisters in after them. And they will, according to the Joe Biden open immigration plan. See, it, it, it's a mistake to say it's an open border. It is in essence, but it's open immigration. That's what's happening. If you come in here on a visa and overstay, there's nobody going to track you down. In fact, ICE arrests in February down 60% from January. So you remember that the inauguration day was in January. 60%. Because President Biden said to, or his advisors have said to the Homeland Security people, don't arrest anybody. No, it's not what we want to do. Don't do that. And they're not. 60% in 30 days. And the unintended consequence of that, or maybe the intended consequence, is that hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals will stream into this country before June. Hundreds of thousands. When you have 11,300 unintended, unattended minors, you know that's no accident. It's not these kids saying, hey, I want to come to America, so I'm going to walk 200 miles or 500 miles to get there. They're not doing it. It's the pipeline. Okay, so I'm a simple man. You all know that. And uh, my question to Joe Biden is very, very simple. Mr. Biden, your immigration policy has led to hundreds of thousands of people coming here, including 11,300 minors. Who does that help? Is there one person in the country or on the planet? Who does it help? Now, there is one group helped by the Biden immigration policy. One, the Mexican drug cartels. They're making a ton of money because they control who comes to the border. And you got to pay them. If you don't pay them, they kill you. They're making millions of dollars. Okay? Now, do you think Joe Biden knows that? I don't. I'm not giving him a pass, by the way. I just don't think that that man has any clue about what this immigration policy is going to lead to and has already led to. I don't think he knows the stat that there's 11,300 unattended kids here from other countries. I don't think he knows that. I could be wrong. Maybe I am. But if you ask his spokesperson about all this, here's what you get. Roll it. And on immigration, 
Uh, you said you wanted to stay away from labels. I know the the or DHS secretary has not wanted to call it a crisis, but instead referred to it as a challenge. Mm -hmm. But right now, since it is 3,200 unaccompanied migrant children, according to documents from Monday, that's higher than the peak of the 2019 border crisis when it was around 2,600 then. Well, first, one of the reasons is because there, we have a different policy than the last administration. We're not turning kids away at the border, unaccompanied children. Um, we're also, of course, not ripping them from the arms of their parents. And so we know, and we, we knew, we know there is going to be an increased number of kids coming across the border. There are several steps, as we've talked about a little bit, that we're working to address that. Ripping the kids from the arms of their parents. Okay, so if you knew it, Miss Saki, why didn't you have a plan in place to deal with it? Why? Now, the stats the CNN reporters cite are just for a day. Thousands of kids in a day. All right? The overall stats, as I said, are more than 11,000. But, no, no, we're, we're working on it. You know, we're, we're working on it. You don't put a policy in place if you don't know what to do after the policy is launched. That's called incompetence. Okay? Oh. All right, so the media now has to cover the story. As I told you earlier this week, when they were ignoring the story, they have to cover it because it's getting so big. So last night, um, CNN spell, uh, spent 12 minutes and five hours, 12 minutes on the story and five hours. MSNBC didn't cover it at all. So NBC News basically saying to the American people, we're not a news organization anymore. This is Comcast, okay? We're, we're just not. We're just not going to cover any story that's going to make anybody that we like look bad. Um, Fox News, 20 minutes they spent on it. The networks, uh, David Muir finally figured it out. Two minutes, 12 seconds on the nightly news last night. NBC, Lester Holt, a minute 36. They didn't cover it on Monday night. Neither of them. CBS did cover it on Monday. They didn't cover it last night, which is all right. I mean, they did a package on Monday. You don't want to be repetitive. All right, so let me just sum this elite story up. I'm worried about Joe Biden. I'm worried about him personally. I don't think he is functioning in the job the way he should. And I'm worried absolutely for the country and the world because the most powerful man in the world seems to me to be befuddled at best and in cognitive decline at worst. COVID bill. So it passes, everybody knew it was going to pass. Not one Republican senator or congressperson, not one, voted for the bill. So it's about $2 trillion, all right? And a lot of people are going to get checks. And that's not a bad thing that people get checks. You know, a lot of people desperate got hurt by COVID. They need the money, all right? But in this bill, that's just crazy. Now, I'm just going to, for you aficionados of politics, one Democratic congressperson, Jared Golden of Maine, voted against it because Mainers, they understand money and they don't want a $30 trillion debt. And that's why he did it. And then Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska, he didn't vote because he was attending a funeral of his father-in-law. But he said he, he opposed it. So no... Republican support in Congress at all. So anyone making over 80,000, you're not going to get anything. And that's 160,000 for a couple, 
all right, you're not going to get the $1,400 check because you're making too much money. Um, otherwise, you will get money. And um, there was a misreporting about illegal aliens. They will not get money. But immigrants will. I mean, if you're here on a green card, you'll get money, but not illegal aliens. Um, a check should go out uh, this month. And um, $5 billion is included in this COVID bill to pay off loans of African-American farmers, but not white farmers. This is equity. This is the equity thing we talked about, okay? So, okay, five, um, $5 billion for farmers of color, they call them. Uh, states get $200 billion. So New York, where I am right now, uh, catastrophe, COVID catastrophe here. I think they're going to get $15 billion from the feds, from everybody. Not enough for Cuomo. He still wants to raise taxes. Excellent. That'll just drive more people out of the state. We'll go deeper in debt. It's just unbelievable. Um, unemployment benefits extended through September 6th, $300 bucks a week. If you're not working, you get $300 bucks a week in addition to the COVID stimulus check. And there's all kinds of pork everywhere in it. Um, there is uh, nutrition programs. There are welfare programs. $880 million set aside for just entitlement programs. Nothing to do with COVID. So this was an income redistribution bill that adds $2 trillion to the debt, not to the deficit. We don't have the money to pay $2 trillion for COVID. There's no money. You add up all the tax receipts for 2021. It's not going to cover any of this. This goes right into the debt category. Now, it's hard to oppose this because even though no Republican supported it, um, 70% of Americans say, yeah, we need the money. 70%. And that was one of the things that sunk Donald Trump because um, McConnell wouldn't support it. He wanted $800 instead of 16 going out. And Trump wanted the full boot. He wanted everybody to get the money they're going to get. I don't think Trump would have signed off on all the pork, but he wanted that. But anyway, the Pew study, it's a reliable poll. 70% uh, support the bill, the COVID bill. 28% don't. And that goes across party lines, obviously. Okay, everybody up to speed on that. So we got Biden. We got the COVID bill done. Let's go to the conservative media. And we have a good guest on this uh, coming up. So Rush Limbaugh died on February 17th. Okay. He did three hours of radio every day. That's 15 hours a week. 600 radio stations. Estimated audience, you know, people coming in and out, 25 million a week. So this was a huge conservative media canon. Now, Mr. Limbaugh's program is still running with clips of him. He doesn't have a replacement. There's nobody who can replace Rush Limbaugh and even come close to the ratings that he had. And that's just reality. The other conservative media is Fox News. Now, they're down February to February 30 percent. That's a huge hit. 30 percent of Fox viewers have left in a year. Newsmax, which was benefiting because they bought into the fraudulent election thing, they're down 50% in one month now that 
Biden is president. Okay, so the two primary TV conservative media declining, along with the radio media declining. So now um, traditional conservative people always heavily outnumbered. All three networks are liberal, CNN, MSNBC, liberal. All the newspapers, major uh, dailies are liberal, all of them. So for the New York Post, that's a tabloid, but the, the mainstream um, newspapers. So heavily outnumbered to begin with. Now you see a decline, a market decline in the conservative media. One footnote. The liberal media is also declining. CNN and MSNBC's ratings are catastrophic the last month. They've dropped so far from what they had during the insurrection, during the inauguration. I mean, they're getting hammered because they don't have any talent. It's all we hate Trump. Now what are they going to do? We love Biden. All right, go ahead. Huffington Post, perhaps the most vicious of all the social news organizations. They just left off, laid off 50 people. All right, they're hemorrhaging money. They lost $20 million last year. Oh, my God. And now, I'm happy. That's good because they're the worst and they're not alone. They're all losing money, too. So it's not like the left-wing media is rising. It isn't. They're all going down. But because, I'll reiterate this point, conservatives are so heavily outnumbered in the media, the message now is less than it used to be. So let's bring in Chris Ruby. She is the head of the Ruby Media Group. She's the CEO. That is a strategic public relations, social media, and management agency. Uh, Ms. Ruby uh, and I attended the same school at Boston University, obviously not at the same time. I was there during the Daniel Boone years, the, the uh, John Adams years, and Ms. Ruby is a little more contemporized. So my analysis of the uh, conservative media, you think I'm making any mistakes? I, I don't uh, see that you're making a, a mistake, Bill. I, I think that the challenge that we have is really the fragmentation of the traditional cable news ecosystem in favor of a much more segmented social media, digital media ecosystem. And so when we look at a Newsmax or OAN or Fox News and these networks that are certainly trying to compete with uh, Fox News in a way that at one time they never could, um, I almost don't even know if it matters how much money they pour into these competitive networks if they will have trouble reaching that millennial 25 to 35 demo that is clearly going to be more active on social media platforms, like for example, the new platform Clubhouse. Uh, we saw the rise of podcasting. Now we're seeing the rise of voice chat based social media. And to give you an example there, uh, I created the Republicans and conservatives room or club on Clubhouse that has over 7,100 uh, followers. As soon as Clubhouse gave people the ability to create their own clubs on Friday night, there are now at least 12 more clubs and people created uh, women conservatives, black conservatives, Jewish conservatives, Christian conservatives. So it is not enough to just say a blanket statement of conservatives and Republicans. You need to segment that down even further. And how does that apply to cable news? Well, it applies to cable news in terms of a threat in a very real way. 
people want to watch cable news and see figures that reflect who they are and their, and their values. Cable news traditionally has always casted a much larger and wider net. Unless cable news is going to take a playbook from what social media channels are doing and what people want, they simply can't compete in the same way. And they will be seen as a dinosaur by the people and the demo that they are trying so hard to attract. All right, but here's the big picture. You can do chat rooms and uh, all your uh, platforms and social media all day long. That's not going to move public opinion. It's a niche situation. So my news agency, BillOReilly.com, we reach millions of people because we've been in business now for four years and built up a radio television network scheme that people are aware of what we do. But it's nothing like I had uh, on the Fox News channel, The O'Reilly Factor where I could basically shape public opinion. I could do that. Social media can't do that, never will be able to do that. So the danger for the republic, for the country, Chris, is that a story like Hunter Biden can be completely blacked out now and people won't even know it, won't even hear about it unless they're in a certain chat room at a certain time. And so therefore, what happens in the country can be controlled by politicians, by the entertainment industry, by whatever. And now with the censorship that we're seeing in Silicon Valley, all right, you really running into a wall here. I agree with you. People will still have a voice. They'll be able to say what they want to say on social media and all of that. But as far as moving the conversation and the dialogue to a way where public opinion is altered, I see that vanishing. I mean, well, of course, we're seeing that. I mean, Section 230 is obviously a, a big factor there, right? What, what is Biden's plan with Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act? I haven't heard him talk about that recently. He doesn't have and a that plan. I, I mean, but this goes, this goes to, we have a president of the United States, I firmly believe this, who simply isn't running the country. I, now, should you have known about that before the election? Yes. But that's not what it was all about. It was all about Donald Trump, for or against. Because the media would never tell you, honestly, any of the media, that Joe Biden really wasn't up to the job. And now, as going forward, you lose a limba. Fox, I don't know whether they can turn it around. I mean, I, their programming is not as nearly as innovative as it was, and it's not exciting. I don't know whether they can... They're trying, but I don't know if they can. What is the new American dream when it comes to journalism? So much of this comes back to that. I believe that uh, at least the new American dream for uh, millennials is that when they look and they say, I want to be a journalist, they're not saying that they want to be a Tucker and an anchor on primetime cable news. The American dream for them, for today's youth, is that they want to be Ben Shapiro. Yeah, they don't point, see cable point, news they as could their be, goal. Look, that's fine. You want to be Ben Shapiro? Go ahead and be Ben Shapiro. All right, if you can talk that fast. But if the American public can't get information, Chris, if it's okay. a blackout of information, all right, then we're going down the drain if that happens. I'll give you the last word. Completely agree with that. And we also have sitting members of Congress who, who are actively trying to cancel Fox News, Newsmax, and OAN, and pass that through, which is, which is also, you know, borderline insane. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, it's the uh, companies themselves that are having to rise up.
and put on program that attracts, you know, the people that it used to attract. Chris, thanks very much. We appreciate it. Everything is expensive these days. You know that the government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Um, How about the 10 best states in America? How about those? You know what they are? I didn't. All right, so uh, U.S. News & World Report, a bankrupt magazine... (laughs) does this every year, annual ranking of all 50 states, the 10 best, based on healthcare, education, economy, infrastructure, opportunity, fiscal stability, crime and corrections, natural environment, okay? Ready? All right, here are the 10 best. The best state in the union is Washington State, according to US News and World Report. What you don't know about Washington State is it's two states. All right. It's the eastern part, which is traditional and runs very well. And people have a very high quality of life. And then western part, which is Seattle and Olympia and the peninsula up there, which is absolute chaos. But you can live well in Washington state if you can take the rain. All right. The second one is Minnesota. Again, their major city, Minneapolis, is burnt down. You can live well in Minnesota if you can take the cold. It is freezing there. Okay. Uh, Utah third. I've been to Utah, but I don't know much about the infrastructure there. It is a rural state primarily. Salt Lake City is not a major hub. Got a basketball team, but you move to Utah, you got to like the outdoors. Same thing in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a rural state. I know New Hampshire very well. Very nice place to live, but it's cold. Idaho, same situation. Outdoor state, easy to live there, traditional state. Then Nebraska. Nebraska is a divided state, but there's opportunity in Nebraska. You can make money in Nebraska, all right? It's um, got a good lifestyle. Virginia, going deep blue now in Virginia, deep blue. Um, I like Virginia. Commonwealth has got a lot of, got the mountains, got the ocean, although not beaches in the Tidewater area. Wisconsin, um, again, Wisconsin is a two states, traditional rural, very far left, urban. Massachusetts, listen, my home was in Massachusetts. I loved it there. I loved it there. But that's Elizabeth Warren. Okay, so the politics are crazy. But Massachusetts got everything. And uh, Florida is 10. Florida is on the ascent. But you got to take the heat. You know, five months of the year, it's hot. It never cools down. So those are the 10. Tomorrow we'll give you the 
10 worst states, according to U.S. News and World Report. So, Disney, I want to go back to this. We've, we've reported it before, but it's so uh, jarring because everybody knows these vehicles. So Disney is putting out a con. You got to know this. Now, Disney is a real troubled company. I mean, it really is, if you examine it. So they say that um, two of their main properties, Dumbo, the elephant, and Peter Pan, beloved by kids everywhere in the world, can no longer be accessed by children under seven because of the cancel culture. Now, my question to Disney is what kid under seven accesses anything? See, if you use an adult account, and how Disney would know, I don't know, you can access Dumbo and Peter Pan. You have to pay them. Though Disney's not cutting, because the seven-year-old's not paying them. So this is a con. But the Disney uh, noble people, the executives, this is Iger and all these people, they wanted to get it out. to the, We know there was racism and, uh, you know, questionable things in our product. Now, there was racism in Dumbo. There was. One of the main characters is Jim Crow. Come on. My thing is, edit it out. Okay? You, if you make movies in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, you're going to have stuff like this. Snip it. But no, no, they want a virtue signal. Now, Peter Pan, apparently the problem with Peter Pan is that it portrays Native Americans in a stereotypical manner. That's Tiger Lily. I always thought Tiger Lily was a good role model for girls. She was Peter Pan's ally against the evil Captain Hook, who was a white guy. I like Tiger Lily. What? But no, no, no. Because Tiger Lily did Indian things. That's very typical. So if you're seven, you can't order up Peter Pan. But your dad and mom can and pay the 10 bucks or whatever they want. Oh. All right, here's the story of the day. Ready for the story of the day? Okay. So Piers Morgan quits his show in Great Britain. He's co-hosting the morning show because he slammed Meghan Markle and people didn't like it or what. I don't even know Piers Morgan. I mean, I think I met him once, but I don't even remember. Anyway, he's gone. Gone. He walks off his show. And they don't want him back, and he's gone. So The View, of course, talks about this. And my name comes up. Roll it. Before I even start that, I want to clear up that you and I walked off the set because Bill O'Reilly said something extraordinarily bigoted, and we did not want to sit there with him. The situation is completely different here, so let's just be clear. Um, I was making you know, the a monarchy, joke. Sorry, my I bad. think. No, no, it wasn't that. I just want to make sure everybody understands. Everybody understands that you're a radical loon. That's what everybody understands. I didn't make any bigoted statement. I didn't do anything like that. All right, this was in the year 2010. An imam in New York City wanted to build a mosque on the site of the Twin Towers. Okay? I said, quite rationally and correctly, that was inappropriate, all right? I said, you don't build a Benihana at Pearl Harbor. 
it's not the right thing to do. But if the imam wants to build a mosque two blocks away, I will help the imam build the mosque, but not on the site of the attack on 9-11. So I went on The View, and here's what happened. And let me break this to you. Seventy percent of Americans don't want that mosque down there. Resentful. So don't give me the wee bit. I want to see that. You want to bet on that? You want to bet? I'll show you that poll in a minute. All I'm saying right? is that Americans, so Americans yeah. don't, want, then, don't want it down there. But why is that? But why aren't why? we saying... Because it's inappropriate. Why is it inappropriate when 70 families died? Why are you killed this about? on 9-11? No. No. Oh, oh, my God. God. Okay, and uh, Piers Morgan, I think, was back in the green. No, it's a joke. All right, so my thesis was that Muslims, terrorists, the jihadists, the al-Qaeda's, all practitioners of Islam killed 3,000 Americans on 9-11. Is that not true, historically? And that's why it's inappropriate to build a mosque on the site of the Twin Towers, just as Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, killing hundreds of U.S. naval personnel and civilians. And that's why you don't build a Japanese restaurant there. Is this crazy stuff? All right. Now, that was way before the cancel culture was even thought of. But the fact that yesterday, Ms. Behar, who remains in my prayers said that I made an extraordinarily bigoted statement. My statement was absolutely 100% true. But because she's a loon, she can believe what she wants to believe and walk off. And you know, that was the greatest thing that she walked off. I love that because I got more airtime and I have to deal with her. Okay. I got some mail and a good final thought. Back in a moment. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, let's get to the mail. Uh, we got William uh, Barabo, Austin, Kentucky. Bill, with your outstanding staff, can you tell me who's really running the country? Mr. Biden is an empty suit. We've gone over this now, William. Okay? It is remnants of the Biden administration. Susan Rice, Biden's top domestic advisor, is the most powerful person in the country right now. Seba Jerbremskel. I hope I'm saying uh, your last name right, Sabah, San Diego. Bill O'Reilly, I heard what you had to say about Cornell University's policy about COVID. As a black woman, I found the whole thing upsetting. COVID doesn't care if you're black or white, rich or poor. 
It's a contagious disease. It's very irresponsible of Cornell to exempt black students from being vaccinated. Thank you, Saba. Thank you very much. I appreciate you writing to me and telling me your opinion. Derek Afani, Victoria, Australia. After living in South Africa during the 50s, 60s, and 70s, I have one word for what Cornell University is practicing, apartheid. Rodney Kundi, Calgary, Calgary, Canada. I think the vast majority of Americans do not ascribe to the politically correct cancel culture mob. Time for the majority to take a page from the iconic movie network, stand up and shout, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. But the problem here in America now, and I don't know if it's that way in Canada, is if you stand up against the mob, the mob comes after you. And a lot of people are frightened about that. That is the problem. Now, I agree with you. We, the people, are going to have to stand up to this. We're going to have to have courage. Sharon Goodberry, Palos Verdes Peninsula, California. I'm a Californian. And not just Republicans are signing the recall petitions against Newsom. Many Democrats are just as upset. Okay, I believe that. Steve, if anyone thinks California will turn to a red state, I would like to sell them some stuff they should be smoking. All right, something like that. I don't think California is going to turn red, but I think the hold of the progressives is declining in the Golden State. I hope it is. Uh, Sebastian Manjulo, Coral Springs, Florida. Bill, appreciate your honest news coverage. This is my only source of news. Uh, I'm a singer, songwriter based in Coral Springs, Florida, and I'm planning to move to Los Angeles. Is this a good time to make that move? Now, Sebastian, Usually this kind of a request and a question comes under the concierge membership. So you have direct access and you can ask me these kinds of questions about your career and what you should or should not do and what you should expect. I'm doing this because, number one, I think you're a good guy and I want to give you some advice. And number two, I want people to know that concierge membership contains that. So usually I won't do this, but. If you're going to move to Los Angeles, you will have more opportunity in the music industry there. There's no doubt about that. But you will also be barraged with political correct cancel culture stuff. And law enforcement in Los Angeles County is completely breaking down. And if you don't have a lot of money to buy a nice place, you're going to be in neighborhoods that are dicey. And if you do hit it big, they're going to take in taxes, an incredible amount of money, and you're going to be paying $4 for a gallon of gasoline. So you got to weigh it. There's opportunity, but boy, there's a lot of downside in California right now. Carol Sefier, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm a new member of BillOReilly.com. I'm a senior woman. Um, The more I hear about the crisis on the southern border, I'm getting frightened. My neighbors tell me that the criminal element among illegal immigrants are going to hit my neighborhood. I don't think so. If you're in a secure neighborhood in Las Vegas, you're not going to be affected directly by the mass of immigration. I mean, those people, 95 percent of them are not criminals. They're good people. All they want to do is have a better life. Five percent are hardcore and they'll hurt you. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think crime is, uh, you know, if you have a secure place to live, you'll be okay. Uh, Ryan, Bill, you asked an interesting question. When you said, why are you wasting your time watching cable news? Good point. Donald Trump's mistake was the same thing, and he let the media get under his skin. Look, there are some good programs 
on uh, the Fox News channel, on Newsmax. There are. And you, you can get guests on all of them that are worth listening to. But boy, it's declined, in my opinion, pretty drastically. Um, Nathan Sinander, Melbourne, Florida. Bill, your O'Reilly update, March 9th, 2021, that was yesterday, um, was perfect in tone and content. You brought to the attention of radio listeners the absurdity of what the left is doing and how it has all happened before historically. Your objective and neutral tone delivered almost deadpan made the absurdity all the more poignant. You're onto something here. Our uh, O'Reilly update um, now heard on 300 radio stations across the country. We appreciate you making uh, those comments, um, Nathan. We do post our radio stuff on BillOReilly.com every night. And, um, you know, it's a Paul Harvey 15-minute broadcast. We do two minutes in the morning as well. Okay, so pre-order Killing the Mob, which is building steam right now. It'll be out May 4th. Uh, in time for Mother's and Father's Day, although I don't know if mom is interested in a mob. Are you moms interested in a mob? Tell me. It's a great book. You're really going to like Killing the Mob. And if you order pre-order from BillOReilly.com, give you 50% off Killing Crazy Horse. Word of the day, do not be a barber monger. B-A-R-B-E-R-M-O-N-G-E-R. It's a great word. Back with a final thought in a moment. Okay, my final thought today is about entitlement. People on this planet who believe that they are um, special. Now, I was brought up in the 50s and 60s when nobody believed that because we were coming off the Great Depression in the 30s, World War II in the 40s. Life was hard. People were grateful for the little they had. My parents were grateful for the little they had out in Levittown, New York. But now we have people wanting all of this stuff. Gimme, 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 gimme. All right. Gimme. And Meghan Markle looked a little entitled, did she not? In that interview, a little entitled. So this morning, um, you know, breakfast is a little chaotic in the O'Reilly house. Um, and uh, one of the urchins, I go, uh, I got some uh, got some toast and fruit for you. So the urchin looks up and goes, you feed me like a prisoner in a penitentiary. <laughs> I said, what? Is fresh fruit, all right? There's toast. There's exotic jam. We want to, you know, if you want something, you want pancakes, go cook them. But no, 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 you feed me like a prisoner. <laughs> it's busy here in the morning. So anyway, I had a few laughs about it, man. I made fun of the urchin, and you know, he got it. He got it. I said, you know what? A little self-reliance goes a long way here. If you have an entitled point of view, and we all know people who do, if you think you are owed something by life, by the royal family, by me at breakfast time, you think that, you're going to be disappointed. See you tomorrow.